like I know you all have been, I've been thinking a lot about the University of Idaho students that were murdered. I was sitting on a couch, thinking about it, meditating on it. And I got a vision. I'm not saying I'm psychic or anything like that, but I will relay this message, this vision to you. I saw two brothers. Now, in the vision, they were young. I'm not sure how old, but it looked, they looked pretty young. And I saw chubby cheeks, brown hair with a bowl haircut. There were two brothers. One of them got the knife. One of them had the knife, and the other brother used his knife. This is what I saw. I don't know what it means. I don't even know if it's real. But I thought I would go ahead and let you know about it. One brother was, um, he's the one that had the knife. The other brother used the knife. And then I got a strong feeling like there was somebody involved from the Mad Greek who either saw the, the girls there or worked with them there. I don't know. This might not be anything, and it probably isn't. But I did want to let you guys know. Hello, friends. This is Midnight Radio. So good to see you. So good to be here with you again today. My name is Jerry Adams. Today we're going to be going over the Moscow murders, the murderer Lucy Letby, got some new information about her, and also Lilani Simon, she's been arrested for the murder of her son Quentin Simon. Now this full broadcast is going to be available as a podcast on, on our podcast. Now you can get that on our website. You can get that. If you look at the About page on our YouTube, you can see it there. It has all the different links to all the different podcast catchers. Or you can just tell your smart device to play the Midnight Radio Podcast. It's a real good way to listen to it there. So every day I get more and more stories and information regarding the Moscow murders, as it's being called now, or the Ohio, Ohio Idaho University murders. And let me, let me show you this latest one. This is one of the latest ones right here. And this has to do with the gun. The police have been reported they're, they're zeroing in on the knife. And I'll let you know about this. And uh, the knife is very, very important because obviously the murder weapon was a knife. But what kind of information can they get from where they're going to get fingerprints and blood? And even if it was thrown away there's still going to be blood in some crevices of it uh, no doubt uh, they should also already know if the if the suspect is right or left-handed by this um, the police still did not rule out matter of fact they almost suspected that it was more than one person that did this that's the reports i'm hearing they they haven't because of the mess they say it's taken them a long time to go through this case. 
because of the mess and the volume of evidence this inexperienced person did. They they still maintain that it was a crime of passion. It was very personal. This is somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience committing crimes and murders, certainly, because of the amount and volume, um, which is probably involved footprints and uh, handprints. So if they find this person, they're going to be able to They're going to know who it is once they get all this processed, it seems. Although they're given such a long way in between. So, please zero in on our University Idaho Reserve Officers Training Corps for possible Rambo-style knife. Cops investigating the, the grisly quadruple murder of University of Idaho students who were found brutally murdered on November 13th are probing a possible link to the Reserve Officers Training Corps. Reserve Officers Training Corps, or ROTC, for the college, for the University of Idaho. So I'm saying, if you can find a link between, there's going to be somebody at the, this is possibly, okay, somebody from the University of Idaho ROTC, and maybe them or their brother who worked at the Mad Greek, or if they have somebody there who hasn't been showing up to work after the murder, they have somebody there, perhaps it's somebody who goes there a lot that's not there, that's not showing up, a regular that's not there anymore, somebody that always showed up to to those girls' shifts, and he's not showing up anymore, and you look look up his name, get this information, and you say, well, he was an ROTC. Oh, well, his brother was maybe three, four, five years ago. I think this is something to look at. I want to let you guys know that right now, I, I know the police have a lot of information, and they are not giving it to you. They're giving you a little bit, but they're not giving you a tenth of what they have, and there's a big portion of it they haven't processed yet. From my understanding, it's like six to eight weeks to get a fast DNA sequence. So it's going to be a little while on that. Um, and that's just, you know, the way it is. There's, there's other, let me go over some of the other information we're going to go over today. We have... We have the new evidence. That's the knife and more. Uh, uh, I got a video. I have one of their videos I'm going to play you. It's going to give us a better look at life inside the house. We have Kaylee's sister. We have a response from Kaylee's sister about, about Jack, Kaylee's ex-boyfriend. Then, of course, we're going to talk about Lilani Simon. Okay, so... Let me go to this next. Now, I want to warn all all you viewers. Again, I, I really appreciate you being here. I, I honestly do. I'm going to make sure you get the whole video here. 
Again, this is the roommates in the house, and they're pretending to be each other. This is one of their TikToks, but it gets you a look inside the house. It lets you know what life was like inside of the house. You know what the, what the what they were like, what life was like. God, I smell like pretty f- here. Murphy, you've been a bad boy. <laughs> God, it's 9-10. Guys, can anybody drop me class and f*** away from my machine? I'm supposed to be there 10 minutes ago. Did anybody do their chores today? I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> oh, you guys. It's a... Gotta go, Jason. Oh, Jason. Oh my god, I look horrid. <laughs> oh, Morphe, you look so cute. Get, get out of here. You seriously gotta get out of here. You're gonna get out of here. Hey guys, I know I talk about myself a lot, but like, what would you guys do in my situation? <laughs> Dana, where are you going? Yeah, I gotta go pull you out. Failed to him already. Is anyone doing like a wine night? Like, let's just do a wine night. Yo, is it okay if I have a party? Like, just three or four people at most. There it is. We saw inside of their house what it looked like. There was a lot of lighting in there. A lot of, they're not Christmas lights or decorative lights, but the decorative lights were on at night, probably. Uh, you saw how, I want to point to this, how loud they were. And the roommates, they said that it was always loud in the house. So, yeah, they heard stuff, but they didn't think anything of it. We're going to go over the map tonight and the times of where they were when, when they were there. And uh, the time has changed a little bit based on the information that I have and the police have, you know, that we have, that they weren't all together at the same time. Maybe one of the roommates walked into something, the the male and the female that were dating, Ethan and his girlfriend. So we're going to look at that. Again, this is just evidence we do not have the full information. I want you to know that right now. None of us do. The police, they don't even have it yet. They have a lot more than we do. We're just discussing this. All right. Very difficult when uh, these these girls are young enough to be your daughters, you know, and that this could have happened to anybody. In college, they they felt safe. They were there. This was a typical night for them. You know, they were goofing off, having fun. In the video, the ladies were pretending to be each other. And, um, yeah, that's kind of stuff that you do in college. And then when you're living with a bunch of roommates like that, that's exactly what it was like. I went to, uh, I went to college in Chicago, the University of Illinois. Uh, one of the things we did to our roommates is, and he was a bigger guy than us. We took his underwear, you know, tidy whities right? His underwear. And he was a, he was a big dude. We took his underwear and we got some kind of, uh, uh, what do we get? Paper clips. And we clipped it to the outside. We opened the window, put it outside and clipped it to the screen there. And it was cold. It was like four degrees outside in Chicago in the winter. And uh, I took his underwear and froze it, and they looked like one of those dinner trays. Uh, you know what I mean? Like first cafeteria or something. They, they were triangular. 
So, uh, and then what they did is as soon as he walked in the room that night, they threw his, his frozen underwear at him like a Frisbee, you know, uh, we wet it and stuck it out there and it froze. And that was funny. Another thing they did to him is they took his, his, uh, we all had these closed cabinets, you know, each of us had a cabinet. There's a lot of us in this one room. I mean, there was like four of us. So they, um, took his cabinet and we noticed, we we're looking at him like, you know, I don't, I think it was my idea. If we take that cabinet and put it upside down, it looks the same upside down as it does right side up. Like, yeah, that's true. So it took his whole cabinet with everything in it when he was gone. I mean, none of this is right, but I am, I'm telling you about this for a reason. They put it upside down and then we're all in bed and he gets in that night and we're all still awake and we're just kind of looking over there. And, uh, I remember him saying, Oh, this is funny. What's this? Why is my lock upside down? Oh, F no, F no, oh. And then then he started chasing me around the room like I'm the one that did it. I didn't do it. The other guys did it. But, yeah, it's loud. It is loud in these these uh, dorms. It's loud in these rooms. Is it possible for this amount of noise to, to happen without the roommates knowing about it? Absolutely it is. Yeah, I see that it is. The police clearly ruled out the roommates, but there is something. And uh, we were talking about it in the comments of YouTube. And on the comments there, you guys comment. I want to know what you think. There's a lot of information. We all think different ways. None of us are experts here. And nobody here, nobody here is claiming they know who the murderer is. But we are talking about this. This affects all of us. We should all take this personally. And there should be, there needs to be discussion. There needs to be thought. Because if you have discussion or thought, instead of when something like this happened, you just re, you react and you do stupid measures that make life more miserable for everybody and doesn't really protect anyone from getting hurt or murdered or emmed. But, uh, you actually think about this. You think it the whole way through. You can come with logical solutions that actually make a difference. But don't think that you're you're a big brain or anything like that. But all of us together thinking about this. I mean, you look in our comments section there on YouTube. There's a lot of brilliant, I consider brilliant people listening to this. I want to thank you guys for listening. Other than comments, if you want to call in and leave a voicemail message, uh, your theories about this crime or any of the other ones we cover, I'd love to hear from you. Phone number is 325-261-0892. That's 325-261-0892. You can leave up to a three-minute voicemail message, 325-261-0892. If you have an idea of a story you'd like us to cover, you can you know, put something in the comment section there, or you can also email me at midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. That is midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. We podcast, we broadcast and send out a podcast with broadcast daily. You can get it live on midnightrad.io. That's our website. We have a online radio station that is midnightrad.io. So let's continue this. We talked about the brother, not the brother. The boy, the ex-boyfriend of Kaylee. 
Well, let's talk about that, shall we? So uh, her sister is commenting to YouTube, you know, uh, Facebook comments, and um, people were saying that Jack was the murderer. They thought that he was the murderer. A lot of them were convinced that it was him that was the murderer. And the first thing I heard was from the parents of Kayla's parents saying that we love Jack. He's one of us. He's 1,000, 2,000, 3,000% one of us and wasn't involved in this. The police said they ruled out the conversation. They didn't say they ruled Jack out. But I have heard that Jack had an alibi for the time of the tragedy. But there are people on um, social media that are thinking it's him. And um, we'll go into that. But this is what the sister said. She said... One of the stupidest comments I've seen. A photo of my sister smiling with a boy she dated for six years. And you accuse him, pointing finger, Sam, the entirety, wrong direction. Jack has nothing but love for Kaylee. They spelled it Kaylee. He didn't. Stop trying to play cop. You don't think he's been questioned already? He was, and he's been cleared. Jack never called Kaylee. Rumors are swarming the internet, so leave him alone. He has nothing but love for Kaylee. You just sound ignorant and disrespectful and have no idea what you're talking about. That's what she said. I'm defending Jack, being he took care of and loved my sister for six years. He's a part of our family, and I love Jack very much. However, I love my sister a significant amount more. And if we thought back, Jack had any involvement, I wouldn't be breaking my back on the Internet defending him. If that doesn't say anything to you, I don't know what will. I want my sister's murderer found and thrown in jail for the rest of their life. And we will never find him if we are going to accuse people who the police have already knocked off their suspect list. Like I said many times before, they know how to do their job. If Jack had involvement, he would already be behind bars. Think smarter, not harder. and Stop being so disrespectful to my family during this time. Sincerely. All I ask is that you stop spreading these awful rumors and attack Jack. Do you understand the pain he's going through on top of that being accused of murder to a girl he did nothing besides love and support? Please put in consideration our feelings right now. Now, I I believe, if I'm not mistaken, these comments, so they're going on the family's facebook pages and they're putting on the pictures of kaylee and her friend these comments and that's why the family's responding his behavior girl the comment was years ago and they dated for six years i don't find it odd of him to compliment my sister that way being that's how they were 
Sorry, it doesn't fit your personal idea of a relationship, but it definitely fits theirs. It's an ongoing investigation. You can't just release that information. I don't understand how that that's even a question. Point is, he has an alibi and he's off the suspect list or the police wouldn't have released him. What don't you understand? Do you really not comprehend how disrespectful and hurtful you're being to our family right now? And for the last time, Jack never called Kaylee or Maddie. They called him, and that wasn't odd at all. Kaylee probably called Jack around that time more nice than not. You don't know Jack, and you don't know my sister, let alone their relationship. You are being so incredibly disrespectful. Again, this is Kaylee's sister. That's it right there. All right, so that came from a Reddit forum. There's more information on the Reddit forum. A lot more. So let's look into that, shall we? Let's look into this forum. And then we're after that, we're going to talk about the timeline. Okay, there's this first thing right here. People were talking about it. They were talking about the blood oozing up from the bottom of the house. Let's talk about that for a minute. There's been a lot of debate on if the red liquid on the foundation is blood or heating oil. Here's a pic from October 31st that shows no red liquid. Not saying it's blood, just showing it must have started leaking sometime between 10-31-22 and 11-13-22 if it actually is just heating oil. Chilling. Before and after. Before Let's look at this again. Okay, you see the stain right here at the very right side? Yep. I don't know. I don't know if we're seeing everything. Because it looks like the blood might have just been out of frame. Yeah, I don't know. But again, there it is. Public property records state that the heating is 100% electric. And one of the comments says, yeah, no way in hell a landlord renting to a bunch of college kids would let them use heating oil that is beyond inefficient and expensive. And as you looked at, it gets really cold in Idaho. There was even a little bit of snow in the ground, and they were all bundled up, right? You'll notice that um, it looked new, right? So why would they have heating oil? Okay. That's a lot of blood. 
Now, this is interesting, and we're going to go over the police's timeline of events. And uh, we're going to look at the map and how long it took them to get from where to where. And the reason for that is, well, we, we know what time that the ladies called Jack, right? So they might have been there by themselves for a little bit. Around the time they called Jack before their roommate, who has also came to a tragic end, was even there. This is a mother of one of Ethan's fraternity brothers are in the fraternity. Yeah. This is so hard to watch, heartbroken. Ethan texted my son at 2 a.m., and he's almost positive they were still at Sigma Chi at that time based on what the text said. That wouldn't put them at the house until at least 2.10, 2.15. My son called the tip line and reported this days ago, but they are still saying they think Ethan and Xana were at the house at 1.45. Frustrating. This, what date is this from? They said this is a re... Okay. Oh, this is from today. I, I, I've, um, I think the police have already updated their timeline. But if not, we will right now. This is interesting here. And this is from 26 minutes ago. Time of death is bizarre to anyone else. Originally, the time frame of death was reported as between 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. I don't know if this information has been updated, but I find this report odd. They knew they all got home just before 2 a.m., if not later. The girls called Jack at 3 a.m. So unless they all fell asleep within 15 minutes of arriving home or after that call, the killing seemed to happen really early. If it makes me question if they were even asleep at all when the killer broke in or if our timeline is inaccurate. And this is also, and this is another comment, this is also assumed that the victims were the one to use the phone. Someone put, I keep wondering if the calls were made closer to three. Why are they saying the time of death could possibly have been two to five? This is new. Have you guys seen this? They got a handprint on the window they were dusting. This is a sliding glass door. See, there's a handprint. There's the handprint. But it doesn't mean it's the killers. It could have been one of the girls. We don't know. Is that real? Is that even real? That doesn't even have to be real. I could fake that that picture. Not that I would. But I mean, they regularly hosted parties there. This is a comment. As much as I would hope the perpetrator would be stupid enough to leave a full handprint, it could literally be anyone's. Yeah, what they do is they take 
again, they have to process the crime scene. They have information we don't have yet, and they don't even have it yet. They have to process the crime scene, and they get the prints from everybody that lived there and a lot of people that attended there, and they try to rule people out. So it's just a matter of time before they catch who did this. It is just a matter of time. All right, so the timeline, the official timeline that they gave out was this. Let me see, I'm having a really hard time reading that. I hope you guys see it better. Make sure you go full screen on this one. Starts out with Kylie and Maddie at the corner club. The time is 2200 to 0130. And then at 0140, you have Kylie and Maddie at the grub truck. They got a private driver, an Uber, I believe, and it took them home, saying they got there at 145. They would have been able to get that information from the driver. But from 2000 to 2100, Ethan and Xana are at the Sigma, Ch- Sigma Chai party. And it has them being home at 0145. Now, the friend said he got a text. It would have had to have been, it was at 2 o'clock. They, didn't, they were at the same party. So he wouldn't have been able to get home till 2.10 or 2.15. So let's say he got there at earliest 2.10. And they were there at uh, 1.45. And what time was the phone call made to Jack? Let's, let's look that up. That's important. That's an important part. What time are they saying the phone call was made to Jack? All right, so the phone call made to Jack. They also did find footprints behind the home. Real quick here. Here's here's the house. Okay, so here's the house. You'll I want you to look there where it says first floor parking level. Notice to the left of that, there's a ladder right there. Why? Because somebody was going to crawl up there. There's Xana's room. There's the second floor and third floor. 
Here's the inside here of the house. You got Xana's bedroom. You've got the kitchen. The comments here are, I've been obsessed over the exterior dripping blood. Can you imagine how much blood has to be in a home or area for it to seep out of the siding foundation? Here's my theory. Again, I'm reading this. Xander Ethan died against the wall opposite of where the blood leaked. Attaching photos as well. It's the only way I can imagine that there was so much blood it began to leak to the exterior. I've marked a specific wall to the floor plan below, and once we know more, I'd nearly guarantee one person's body was found on the floor against that wall. This is where the blood is. You see that arrow? In exteriors, it's been ruled out as being heating oil. Here's a comment. You guys have obviously never seen an old home renovated. I think people really underestimate how little there is between you and the outside world. There are tons of cracks and openings in walls and drywall, just patched with putty and covered with trim. Take your floor trim off, and you will see why spiders and ants come in so easily. I take your floorboard off, and you're looking at the outside world. We pulled up carpet this summer and trim and whatnot. We found out why it's so cold all the time. You can literally see specks of daylight coming through. Okay, so again, we're looking for... I want to find a better, well, we need a better version of the map. Okay, I want to put time. Let's see. Let me look. Um, what time the Jack phone call was. Okay, so the university, um, Maddie, okay, Maddie calls Jack three times, and then Kylie makes one final call to him. So the timeline from 2.44 to 2.52, Maddie calls Jack three times, and then Kaylee makes a final call to him at 2.52. So that's the timeline, the timeline we have. I'll see what else we got here. I'm going to continue to follow this. The The family, by the way, they want us to look at this, okay? They want this to be out for everybody. 
They don't want you to go around accusing people and harassing them. That is a different story. I'm telling you, there is no way that you can go with just the little information you have and the police have a whole lot and be able to know what's going on now. There's uh, footprints in the backyard. There's prints on glass. There's blood seeping out. There's when most of the time, especially with the violence that would have had to have taken place and the police said took place, with the knife and the victims. Then it's easy for somebody to cut themselves. Let me show you a picture of a K-bar. And this is the weapon they think they use. If I'm not mistaken. So a K-bar knife does have a small hilt. See it right there. You see that? So that would uh, prevent slipping a little bit. But uh, it's easy to cut yourself when you're... You have a knife like that. And... By the entryway of the wound, it's easy to know if they're right or left-handed, you know, because if you're right-handed, it would tilt one way, and if you're left-handed, it tilts another, another way. And, um, but really, I spent a lot of time in the military, excuse me, I spent a lot of time with the Marines, and knife fighting, you don't even hold a knife like that. It's not like Psycho, where you're holding a knife. You would take the knife. Let me show you with my pen. You don't hold the knife like this and make a stabbing motion. You actually hold it like this. That way you have the knife right here. So if somebody tries to grab it out of your hand, it cuts them. And that's what a professional would do. So they would know a little bit about training. And they would know if somebody, if it's a crime of passion, somebody young, somebody that doesn't have experience. I got that picture up there and you didn't see me, did you? So this, if this pen is a knife, I spent time in the Marines and we did knife fight training with K-bars. Okay. So I guess I'm an expert in this. You don't hold a knife like this. It's not like Psycho. You hold it like this. So if somebody is trying to grab it, then it cuts their hand. You know, they can't grab it away because it cuts their hand right away. If you go like this, then they can just come up under you and take your knife away. That being said, with... So they, you know, they, they can know about these things. So, uh, that doesn't mean you, but usually somebody using a knife like this, whether it has a hilt or not, uh, they cut themselves because of the violence of it. It's one thing, uh, imagining you're, you're doing something like that and being in the heat of a situation and some of the girls fought back. So. More than likely, 
this person cut themselves. And they're still processing the information. Okay. We're going to continue to cover this story. I'm going to give you all the information I have as soon as I get it. Thank you for joining me. If you'd like to call in with a comment or question, phone number is 325-261-0892. If you have any theories about this, I'd love to hear them. Again, I, I say that we don't have any of the evidence right now. We just have a very little bit cursory evidence, and the police have it. We don't. So it's hard to say, oh, I know this person did it. Don't go online attacking anybody, and nobody that watches the show does anything like that, I don't believe. Uh, from what I've seen, you guys are the most intelligent people, you know, anywhere on the Internet. I sincerely mean that. If you have a story, this is your show as far as I'm concerned. If you have a case you'd like us to cover, you can put it in the comments or you can email us midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. Again, the phone number is 325-261-0892 if you have a comment or question. I want to know your theories about this case. Uh, I believe they're important. You guys there in the comments, you open my eyes to things I never thought about. So please continue to do that. All right. So let's talk about Lalani. Lalani Simon is charged with Quentin Simon's murder. This is a press conference that took place yesterday afternoon. Conducted, and we have every. This afternoon, the FBI lab in Quantico, Virginia, confirmed that they are, in fact, human remains. Additional testing, including a DNA analysis, is being conducted, and we have every reason to believe that this will confirm the remains are Quentin's. This is a heartbreaking development for everyone who loved Quentin, for the many people who came to know him after his disappearance, and for our department. When we first received the call that Quentin was missing, we were hopeful that we would find him alive and unharmed. But as we have been telling you for weeks, all of our evidence pointed to his mother being responsible for his death and disappearance and his remains being found in the landfill. I would like to thank the many people and agencies who worked hard to ensure that Quentin was found, that he would have a proper resting place and that justice would be served. First and foremost, I want to thank the FBI. We are incredibly grateful for their invaluable assistance. Their expertise, their manpower, resources, and guidance are unmatched and were crucial in our efforts. I'm going to stop him thanking people right, right there. And really, that's where it is. But there's some questions that remain, don't they? Question one. How involved was the grandmother? This is a question. It's a very good question. She was a Stark supporter, and this was the grandmother of Quentin, the mother of Lilani. She came, there's a video of her. We played it in previous episodes of how she came up against the, the babysitter who really is the one that sounded the alarm, is she not? She was told not to show up to babysit that day, and... She never was before. She said that Quentin Simon's mother, Lalani, even if she wasn't 
you know, if she was off that day from work or something like that, she would still have the babysitter come over and watch Quentin at the grandmother's expense nonetheless. But that day she said, oh, don't bother coming over. And then the death was reported that afternoon. Like, oh, it happened later. After the trash was taken out, I might add. So how culpable was the grandmother in all this? Yeah, there's a screaming match between the grandmother and the babysitter. And the babysitter was being accused by the grandmother. Maybe you're the one that did it. Maybe you're the one that did it. How do I know that? And uh, the babysitter's daughter was the one filming it. Um, It's a horrible tragedy. People that murder their own children. There's a lot of people who love children. I love children. And um, you guys, you guys love children. Any of us would be glad to raise a child. You don't have to murder them. You don't like them. Do something else drastic. Put the baby up for adoption. Put the child up for adoption. Let, Let them move in with relatives or something. You don't murder your children. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine a mother murdering her child, and yet here I am. I report on it every day, not every week. Every day or every other day, there's another mother that uh, mother and father that murder their children. Again, like I always say, where's the father? In most of these murdered child cases, there's not a father. There's the one that... Um, that came up yesterday to where there was a father that was involved. Matter matter of fact, I believe we already went over that. Just very hard. What do you guys think? Do you think the grandmother should have charges on her? I'm I'm leaning towards the grandmother Maybe she finally and recently, maybe in the past few days, when they found the body of Quentin, they went up to that grandmother and they're like, hey, tell us again. Could you come in? We got a couple more questions for you. Could you tell me your involvement? Were you involved in this? What time are you over there again? You know, we found the body. Listen to me really good. I'm only going to say it once, and I'm walking out of here. You tell me what you know that she did. We have the body. We know what she did. But if you don't tell us what you know right now, you're going to go away too. Tell us what you know. Then if they get that evidence that from the mother too, I mean, for the grandmother, that Lilani's the one that did it, and they can match it up with physical evidence that they had. That, oh, well, now that makes sense. Then it'll be easier to prosecute her because they have a body is badly decomposed. They're still waiting for the results to come back that it's human remains and that's Quentin's. All the information they can have to convict her, the better. Here's a second question I have for you, and I do not have an answer. Please answer me back. Please, I need your help on this. 
I don't know how I feel. I don't know what I think about this. I don't, and I want to know. I want to know what I think. But I need some alternative views. The phone number is 325-261-0892. 325-261-0892. Leave up to a three-minute voicemail message and give me the answer to this question. Or one thing you can do is comment there on YouTube. And I'll, I get all your comments. I read them and I respond to every one. A lot of YouTube creators went went over there. To that city, they went in front of Lalani's house that she'd already vacated. They went over there to protest her, I guess, uh, or just protesting murdering children. I'm not exactly what they were protesting is, but is that okay? Do you think that's okay? And I know some of you might, and some of you won't. But and don't let the way I ask a question. Um, you know, sway you and your 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 answer here. Is it okay for YouTube people or these YouTube personalities, influencers, if you will, what are the whatever they call themselves nowadays? Is it okay for them to travel there, be in front of the house, get a bullhorn and yell? Does that help the case, or does it just help the YouTuber? Does it help keeping it in the mind of the public? These families, these hurting families, they obviously think. You know, the one we went over, you know, a little bit more today, the Moscow University and, you know, tragedy. They want it in the public. Of course, Lilani, she did not want it. Lilani Simon and her mother did not want it in the public. So are, are these YouTubers, are these personalities doing a good thing by going over there and continually talking about this? Or is it okay to just talk about it, present the evidence, but not to go over, you know, not to interfere. Did that, I mean, the police had to redirect it from the house because it was bothering the neighbors and they, you know, put it in the police parking lot. So they weren't occluding free speech. They were just giving freedom to the people to live peacefully in the neighborhood. So tell me, tell me your feelings on this. I really want to know. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where the line on this is. So if you would answer me on that, I'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. You guys have a lot of good information. So I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to play this video for you right here. The video shows room at neonatal unit where Lucy Letby allegedly murdered a baby. Lebby's also accused of trying to murder infant's twin brother the next day. I'm going to read this for you. This is a video that was played in a British courtroom November 14th. It showed a hospital's neonatal unit where nurse Lucy Letby allegedly murdered a newborn baby before attempting to murder his twin brother. The video shows the position of the two incubators where the twins were placed next to each other after being born premature. Let me 32 is on trial in the UK. It's accused of murdering seven babies and attempting to murder 10 others at the Countess of Chester hospital during a year long killing spree between 2015 and 2016. 
it is alleged she killed it's alleged she killed some babies by injecting insulin milk injecting milk the thing that keeps babies alive using that to kill them easy to test easy to see the way how she murdered these babies postmortems are done injecting insulin milk or even air into their tiny bodies and there she is does she look like she's raving mad she looks shockingly normal and truly chilling the jury viewed the video shot during the police investigations of room one of the hospital's neonatal unit where let be allegedly injected a fatal amount of air into the bloodstream of one baby referring to child e these are the twins again prosecutors alleged she went on to try and kill his twin brother child f the following day by injecting insulin into a nutrition bag these were little bitty premature babies Giving testimony, the twins' mother previously recalled how she heard child E's horrendous screams and saw blood around his mouth when she walked into a room on the night of August 3rd, 2015 and found him alone with the nurse. The woman, who cannot be named for legal reasons, told the jury that she was left frightened after seeing her five-day-old son because she knew something was very wrong. She asked Letby what was wrong with her son, and the nurse had told her that the bleeding had been caused by feeding tube rubbing his throat, the court heard. The mother, here's the room we're about to see a video of. The mother returned to the postnatal ward as instructed by Let Me, but child E's condition deteriorated. When the mother later returned to the neonatal ward, ward, neonatal ward, 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 she found medics trying to resuscitate him. She told the court that her son's death had left her broken and she'd been unable to bathe him afterwards, so Let Me had done it instead. How chilling is that? Let Me kill the baby, kill the first baby, kill the second baby. And then she bathed the dead body. The jury heard how the infant lost a quarter of his blood volume before he collapsed and died. Giving testimony, expert medical witness Dr. Dewey Evans said he thought Charlie suffered a fatal air embolism, a blockage of the blood supply. After a treating medic noticed unusual purple patches on the boy's abdomen. A second major issue was massive hemorrhaging from the upper gastrointestinal tract that he thought did not have an innocent explanation. Dr. Evans said he believed that child E suffered trauma caused by some form of injury from medical equipment such as a plastic tube or an instrument known as an inducer, a thin wire surrounded by plastic which can be used to intubate a baby. The doctor said that in his opinion, baby E was stable leading up to the start of the hemorrhaging during the night shift. While cross-examining Letby's lawyer, Ben Myers, defending Letby, claiming that the bleeding could have been caused by some form of ulceration or bleeding from the stomach from natural causes. However, Evans disagreed. Fellow medical experts 
witness, Dr. Bowen, agreed with Evans that an air embolism was the cause of death. Prosecutor Nick Johnson told the jury at the start of the trial that Letby was a constant malevolent presence. It is alleged that she was a common denominator in the baby's death coincided with her shifts. Letby denies all 22 charges against her, all 22 charges. And the trial is expected to last up to six months. Uh, so are any of you guys from the UK? Because this is where this is happening. And what I, what I want to know is what... What's the punishment for, um, you guys have life in prison. I don't think you guys have, uh, anything like, I don't know, the electric chair or something like that, which where I live in Texas should definitely be getting. Let's look at that video real quick. Try to line it up correctly. Good enough, good enough. All right, here we go. Looks like any other hospital in any other country. It looks much like the hospital. My wife gave birth in two premature twins. Twins are always miracles, aren't they? Taken. These weren't sick patients. This is no angel of death, no angel of mercy. This is angel of malevolence. Why did she do this? Why? Maybe we'll never know the answer to that. There's a lot of patients being murdered by nurses and hospitals and there needs to be better protocol with the first instance or something something that can't be explained uh, steps need to be taken right away they can't continue to do this ladies and gentlemen I'll be back tomorrow. Thank you for joining me. It's been a a privilege to spend some time here with you. I mean that. Check out our website, midnightrad.io. Please, uh, if you want more information than you just get on the videos there on YouTube, you can can, uh, subscribe to the podcast. On the podcast, we have all the the complete information there. You can uh, join in any podcast app you have. I like... I like Google Music. You know, we're on Google, so all your smart devices, you can ask it to play the latest Midnight Radio podcast. You can listen to it. It's Twitter, your drive to work. Whatever you do. Thank you. Until next time, all my best.